making making a ton of money as a banker, and I would try to spend it all as much as possible on you know fancy hotels, booze, and you know a very fun lifestyle. But essentially, you were sort of trying to get away from well the lie and the bullshit that you were living in. So when you start to measure everything against Bitcoin, you're like hell I'm not spending my money on a pack of smokes or a bottle of booze trying to escape from reality because my reality is actually quite good. What's up you guys? My name is John Cheneau and welcome to the Bitcoin Path podcast. This is a show where we have deeper conversations about Bitcoin and self-sovereignty, about how this new magic internet money is changing the world and changing ourselves at the same time. Uh, in, this, in this episode, I'm really excited to sit down with Sebastian. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. Can I call you Seb? Or yeah, please call me Seb. You yep. got it. Yep. Um, Seb and I had the pleasure of meeting in Miami at one of the Miami Bitcoiners meetup almost a year ago now, I right? I think so, yeah. And I was, uh, we immediately hit it off, just have a lot in common. Uh, Seb, I'll let you introduce yourself and... and Tell us what you just a, just a little brief intro about who you sure, are. Sure, sure. Yeah, so I'm Sepp, and uh, I think what we have in common is our uh, our fondness for uh, for a real life, for adventurous life, uh, for travel, uh, especially these days in the uh, freedom respecting countries of Central and South America, uh, and of course uh, Bitcoin itself. Excellent, of course. Yeah. So um, one of the things that struck me you know about this about hearing about what you've been up to and just kind of uh getting to know you a little bit is for a lot of us uh that come into bitcoin we kind of have uh at least for me personally like i get into bitcoin for freedom Mm -hmm. right for personal freedom for the ability to like store my wealth and store my value in, in something that can't be fucked with so that I can do thing the things that yeah. I want to do, right? Yeah. And for me, one of the things that I'm drawn to is nature, adventure, yep. going exploring. Uh, so I just wonder, like, what was that? Was that always a part of your life, uh, wanting to go and? Yeah, yeah. Explore? I mean, uh, I've. Um, uh, I think I'm a freedom maximalist first and foremost. Uh, yeah. Even when I was young, I, I didn't even finish high school. Uh, I upped and left to go to Australia, uh, to the other side of the world. Uh, didn't come back for seven years. Uh, in that time, I did figure that the easiest way to get freedom is to become good with the language of money, uh, which I did. Mm. Uh, I hustled in a lot of different countries, uh, jewelry into Japan where that was booming, uh, construction in Australia, different things. Um, And that was all pre-Bitcoin. As it turned out, uh, I was pretty nifty with numbers and trading. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I wanted to uh, emigrate to Australia and I had no qualifications, I went to do a study. Uh, during that study, uh, I got asked if I wanted to do a, a PhD straight after, um, which I then started doing on uh, strategic management in multinationals. Okay. Uh, but then I got approached by a bank, and the bank said, do you want to come invest some investment portfolios for us? And uh, I said, hell no, I'm not working for a bank. Uh, yeah. But I'll come on as a consultant, just to see what the enemy looks like on the inside yeah you know? yeah and uh, so I went through uh, the energy portfolios the commodity portfolios of this bank again did some consulting and uh, and then that then turned into a decade-long career uh, trading energy and commodities for a bank where pretty much the only thing that I had to do is make sure that my trading teams would make a profit uh, and for the rest, I'd be completely free to travel all over the world with a corporate credit card, uh, living a combined sort of jet-set banker uh, and adventurer life, which was absolutely marvelous. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's, an, that's crazy. It so. was crazy. It was uh, traveled to over 100 countries in that time. And uh, wow. uh, then the big crisis hit, and luckily, or well, 2008 yeah. crisis, and um, I'd sort of figured that that was coming. Uh, so I was well hedged, well positioned, and then suggested to my bank to set up a, a precious metals desk uh, to essentially go back to sound money and uh, well, get back to uh, more realistic economy, more real life. 
so I set up a precious metals desk in London but pretty much mm -hmm. all we did was essentially lease or borrow gold from central banks uh, to sell to our customers uh, without actually owning it ourselves so Whoa. that really wasn't the path to sound money or getting better <laughs> either <laughs> um, and uh, so then a few years later wait so yeah. alright so yeah. real quick so just for listeners who aren't familiar with this kind of system and because I'm, I'm still kind of learning about it too yeah. like what does it mean for the bank t to lease or, or rent gold to sell, sell to customers? Well, uh, at the time, of course, many customers were thinking, we have a big financial crisis, uh, mm -hmm. we should have a flight to safety, I'll take some gold, thank you very much. Right. And the smart ones would take physical delivery of their gold, and then you would for sure have real gold, you put it in a safe. Right. Uh, but they wouldn't feel quite secure. So a lot of people do want gold, want exposure to gold, but they don't want to hold it themselves. And as right. it turns out, uh, banks habitually sell a ton of gold that they don't actually have. So they promised the customer, yeah, you'll you have gold. Say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I figured this out. And uh, even worse, uh, they would borrow gold to then sell. But the same gold would be leased out, borrowed by a whole multitude of different banks from the same central bank. Um, so, you know, later on, if you dive into it, you can tell that there's at least 100 times more gold being sold than that there is. Uh, so right. there isn't really much chance of going back to actual sound money based on the gold standard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so was this, this was obviously pre-Bitcoin for you, slow, right? Yeah, slightly so pre, for pre-Bitcoin for me, but about so the same time as Bitcoin came out. Yep. Uh, and then back in, I think back in 13, there was a, an mm -hmm. article on Zero Hedge uh, that mentioned uh, digital gold, uh, Bitcoin. Okay. And, uh, and I was like, well, digital gold, uh, yeah, I'll take some of that. Uh, so pretty much the same afternoon, uh, bought some with my credit card, uh, got into, uh, well, got started with Bitcoin at mm -hmm. 200 bucks uh, mm -hmm. and started going up with a bull run of 13, uh, tripled my money and I was mm -hmm. feeling pretty, pretty happy with myself, you know, for a commodity or, or uh, energy product return that wasn't bad. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I took my profit, uh, but I very quickly figured uh, look, if this triples, like you know, in a few months, and nobody knows about it, uh, this might have a long way to run yet. Um, so then I thought, no, no, I'll buy back in and I'll stay back in. This could be a long-term play. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent, man. Uh, that's so. Do you attribute um, you 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 were in a position where you were paying attention to? what was going on uh, much I, I mean more more so than the typical for sure person, I mean right? I would say um, I believe that understanding money as a language uh, mm -hmm. understanding the financial system as the way the world operates uh, is the path to freedom uh, mm -hmm. I think many people mm -hmm. don't want to look at it too much don't want to get into it too much but I figured mm -hmm. that that time if you want to be free yeah you got to learn the language of money and you got to right. learn the language of the corporation because that's where the power is. I didn't like the system, uh, but in order to well get what I wanted, uh, I had to play along in the system. Um, hmm. It didn't make me that happy, uh, but it did pay very well, and I did have a lot of fun. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> and it provided, uh, you know, the opportunity to eventually find Bitcoin, and, and for sure. So yeah. I see, in a lot of ways, do you do you see Bitcoin as kind of escape and escape from yep. that yep. existing absolutely. system? Absolutely. Okay. It's, um, uh, I remember doing the big uh, restructuring following the big crisis. Uh, you know, I would go to the board of my bank and say, look, no, this, we can do this right. We can do this with renewable energy. We can do this with gold or sound money. Uh, we mm -hmm. can do this without over leveraging ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, but it clearly wasn't to be. Uh, and then when Bitcoin came about and said, look, uh, we are promising something different that nobody can control with provable digital scarcity, um, I sort of figured, yeah, this is something that we can really build uh, on from and build mm -hmm. a whole new different system. Um, so I exited, mm -hmm. I, I left the banking system uh, and pretty much went all in Bitcoin uh, back in 16 and I haven't looked back since. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Yeah, uh, that's that's such a great story. Um, so, 
One of the things that comes to mind as I'm hearing you talk is uh, the Sovereign Individual thesis. Yeah, I love the book too. You love yeah. the book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a brief uh, synopsis for people who are listening who may not have heard of the Sovereign Individual, but uh, it's a book written in 1999, published in 1999, on the eve of the millennium. And they're basically predicting the coming information age and, and the implications for the information revolution on um, what they call mega, mega political uh, forces. And they trace technological developments and technological revolutions throughout history, showing how they've changed, how they've affected, you know, how nations interact together, how individuals are are kind of placed within um, their relationships to to their nations and, and things like this, um, and trace how those changes, for in, for instance, around the agricultural revolution, took place over thousands of years. So, don't no one really was able to notice it was happening, right? But and then they got these revolutions got shorter and shorter and shorter until. The information revolution that we're experiencing now is happening in tens of years instead of thousands of years. Yep. So people who are privy to the kinds of changes that are happening in the information revolution are much more able to take advantage of the types of uh, <laughs> of of the information that they're aware of, of that they that they're able to use. Of, 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 yeah. So. Um, and I, I just like am kind of like in awe that well not in awe but impressed by the fact that you have uh, been able to utilize utilize Bitcoin yeah. as, as a freedom as a true freedom technology I had, I had good help though as I, uh, I was very curious and I like to study a lot um, so back in 16, Andreas Antonopoulos came to Amsterdam mm-hmm. and uh, like we had a seminar and I went up to him and said, look, I really like this Bitcoin thing and you've taught me a lot with your videos. Uh, yeah. I'm a financial professional. I want to start a Bitcoin fund and create more Bitcoin. And Andreas basically said, well, you know what? That's going to be a lot of trouble. Uh, mm-hmm. What you should be doing is basically buying as much Bitcoin as you can mm-hmm. and then learning as much about Bitcoin as you can. Mm. Uh, so I think I then found, you know, Bitcoin, Twitter, all these things. Just kept learning. Uh, right. Even went to do a complete master's in digital currency at, oh. uh, at uh, a university where, where Andreas had set up a, uh, a curriculum and basically learned as much as possible about uh, the, well, the liberation technology that Bitcoin is. Right. Uh, and having the luxury of already complete freedom to be able to do so. Right. Um, so then I started, well questioning just about anything, You're questioning um, healthcare, government systems, and taking just full sovereign responsibility for myself. Mm. Uh, I quit smoking, I quit drinking, uh, mm. took up exercise, uh, became a lot fitter, mm. um, became mentally a lot uh, clearer, uh, essentially cleaned up my social circle to hang out with, well, people that could play a very constructive role in my life rather mm. than being a drain on my life, mm. uh, and essentially went on... Um, well, after the was it the six, 17, 16 halving, uh, I figured, well, I might as well go and essentially tour the world and talk to Bitcoiners and see free people until the next halving. Uh, so then that's what I did for four years. And then through yeah. those real life experiences, the real conversations with real people, yeah. you can really see it is a whole different nice world out there you know don't don't look right. on the screens too much don't listen to the government don't listen to anyone um, and you'll have a very nice and free life right yeah. so that there's a couple things that I wanted to touch that to kind of go a little deeper in there like what was it um, was it just was, what was it that made you start um, wanting to do things like n- not smoke as much and, and not drink as much? Was it was it the fact that you had um, more more time and more more freedom to like think 
no, clearly I think about? Uh, I think John Vallis talks about this a lot. It's the personal transformation that Bitcoin brings. Yeah. Uh, I was quite wealthy before, you know, making making a ton of money as a banker, and I would try to spend it all as much as possible on you know fancy hotels, booze, and you know a very fun lifestyle. Uh, but essentially, you were sort of trying to get away from well the lie and the bullshit that you were living in. Uh, when you start to measure everything against Bitcoin, you're like, hell, I'm not spending my money on a pack of smokes or a bottle of booze trying to escape from reality, because mm. my reality is actually quite good. I'd rather mm. stack more sets, think more clearly, and think where I want to go. Mm. Um, I think Bitcoin did dematerialize me to a large extent. I mean, I still, um, well, probably live, you know, travel a lot more and do a lot more nice things than other people which do cost a lot of money mm -hmm. uh, but I don't measure it against that uh, I think mm -hmm. through Bitcoin I've gone to value immaterial things much more mm -hmm. uh, you know relationships adventures uh, travel these things rather than having the swanky car and a nice house and, and you know, staying... Well, I don't stay so much in five-star hotels anymore. I stay more in lively places where you meet interesting people. It's, it's right. a big difference. Don't right. isolate yourself from the world, but participate in it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. yeah. It, it's, uh, it's fascinating because I've noticed you know, very similar things in, in myself on a smaller scale so to speak but like uh, much more I'm much more drawn to relationships yeah. and um, and the kind of experiences the kind of life-giving uh things yeah. <laughs> that are as, in life as right? good Rather a life as possible I mean what can we do but live as good a life as possible and mm. with Bitcoin you can you know once you've been in Bitcoin a few years you know, don't have to worry so much about the, the price or what you can do or what you can't do and you can just go for the, the best experiences and you know like they say okay sunset's free sunrise is free but you mm. still got to put yourself in a position to be in that really nice place to watch that really nice sunrise with those really nice people right yeah. right yeah. So I guess, so one thing that I'm kind of wanting to like dig into here is there are people who have extraordinary amounts of wealth, right? Yeah. But it's, um, but it doesn't have the same effects no, on them, right? Well, no, so why, why yeah. I guess the yeah. question that I'm kind of asking and, yeah. you know, that we're all kind of asking and John Dallas is getting into the same kind of questions is like, why is it? Why is Bitcoin? Why is wealth in Bitcoin? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> something it that like yeah. Yeah. affects you in this way, in this like brings your life into this positive trajectory yeah. of life experiences and relationships. Whereas like tremendous amounts of fiat wealth, so to speak, um, doesn't really have the same effect. Like not saying that like people who have yeah. lots of fiat no, don't absolutely not aren't, no. aren't yeah. enjoying their lives like. Yeah plenty of them are enjoying their lives but uh, there's there's something, something different about, about it it's uh, I think it has something to do with uh, the fiat system not being built to last even a lot of fiat it mm. it melts it decays it comes from a very corrupt system uh, it feels bad uh, I think when I pay somebody in Bitcoin uh, it's well, you know, I'll miss my Bitcoin, but it's more respectful to the person that's receiving um, because it's, well, it's a sound money. It's not stolen money. Uh, in the fiat system, the bulk of the money is stolen. There's a few productive people out there still, <laughs> and then the rest of us right. live off that, which is not a very nice way, way to live. Hmm. You know? Bitcoin lets you very honestly you know, secure your energy and time and efforts for the future and then you start thinking well you know I actually do want a better future how do I get there well I'll start with improving myself you know I'll start with improving my friends and my family uh, I've spread Bitcoin helped you know get most of my friends and family started in Bitcoin as well and I see it in my kids I see it in my friends uh, a lot of them uh, have well, physically improved themselves, uh, fitter, healthier, thought more about the future, learned more. Uh, mm -hmm. So it is very transformative. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, 
yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's like the Bitcoin path to me is about it's just trying to figure out why or, or highlight, you know, how this money is changing the world yep. and changing ourselves at the same time. And because what I'm starting to realize and, and learn in as I build awareness about the world around me as well as about myself there's a lot of like interplay you yeah, know yeah. there's a lot more of a participatory uh, involvement or, or uh, a relationship that's involved between my, my innermost being and the world outside mm-hmm. of me like mm-hmm. it's it's kind of trippy sometimes yeah it is very trippy and that's why uh, I think it used to be quite lonely to be a Bitcoiner because, you know, you would go to a Bitcoin conference or a meetup, uh, but most of the time, well, you'd be <laughs> by yourself with, like, Bitcoin Twitter and online. Yeah. And that's why I now live in, you know, Bitcoin Beach, El Salvador, where uh, it's only a small village, but you run into international adventures, Bitcoiners, all day long, every day, and the conversations that you have there are with everyone on how they are improving their own lives, how Bitcoin is improving the lives of the locals, how things are changing, uh, right. which is a fascinating discussion. Right. I genuinely believe that Bitcoin fixes everything, uh, and that's why I'm so curious as to now a whole country adopting Bitcoin, what's going to happen there? You know, Will we see the, the BMI of Salvadorans decrease? Will we see uh, the kids staying longer in school? I think mm. we will. But, you know, it's, mm. it's a nationwide experiment, no? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's truly fascinating. I'd love yeah. to hear more about like. So you've been in El Salvador for a few months now, mm-hmm. and um, what was what was the what led you to actually move there? What, did you decide to to go like? I went for basically right the, uh, well, when they said uh, we're going to make Bitcoin legal tender, mm-hmm. uh, I thought this should make, a, this should have a big impact on the country uh, and I should go and visit. Uh, trouble was it was the rainy season at the time uh, and with okay. my outdoorsy lifestyle, I was like, well, I'll wait until the end of the rainy season right. and then when the sun comes through, I'll go and, and check it out. So I went right. out with my son, uh, we traveled around the country uh, for a while and we really saw more optimism and hope than we had seen uh, traveling in a lot of other countries for quite a while. Hmm. Uh, I was already fully planning to go live on a sailboat in the Caribbean and just you know, ignore the rest of the world and have fun sailing, let's say, between Miami and Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I saw the people on the ground, the enthusiasm, I did some, some English classes for some kids there who are like you know, bartendering in the hotels for the tourists. And what they were telling me about them stacking sets and how it was changing their lives, I was like, this is a cool place to hang out. Um, So I got involved with the Hope House, just uh, helping out. And uh, now they've offered me an apartment in in the back there. Uh, So I'm right in the the thickest things, uh, talking to everybody all day uh, about how their lives are being transformed. Wow. Yeah. 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 What a... We're an amazing place to, to be. Yeah, not bad. And it's a good place to learn to surf as well. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to, yeah. have to do a surf, surf trip yeah. sometime. Have yeah. you been learning? Yes, like, yes, like for sure. Been? No, I've been awesome. learning. And it's, it's, I think it's part of the whole thing. You just become... Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you become well. You talk about Bitcoin. You go serving, balance a real life. Uh, yeah. You get a discount. Uh, when I pay my surf lessons in Bitcoin, my phone yeah. minutes, my food, my my everything is uh, all settled and done in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. um, that uh, I think it creates a very high quality of life. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fascinating that this internet money, which is like this digital thing that typically internet stuff and uh you know it's you have a lot of technical yeah you have a lot of uh geeks and nerds kind of involved in this sort of thing and so it's a little counterintuitive but uh, a lot of bitcoiners are really being drawn to connect back to nature that's maybe the bitcoiners that we see um, sure. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> there are plenty <laughs> there is, other plebs uh, still There was in the this mall, conference in, in El Salvador where you had a big contingent of, let's say, very 
uh, pale uh, keyboard warriors uh, okay. that were clearly not used to the sun they right. were hiding out inside <laughs> behind their keyboards yeah. uh, and then uh, there is a very fit tanned lot of bitcoiners uh, yeah. uh, as well uh, yeah. I, I do see bitcoin warriors disappearing into their bitcoin online worlds mm-hmm. um, which you know good for them uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you say there's a lot of bitcoiners going for a more real on the ground life right. uh, and a real on the ground life is remarkably more immaterial uh, than a twitter battle mm. or whatever mm. you know, where do we get uh, immaterial pleasure from it's from real life relationships and events Mm. Uh, you don't get it from uh, looking at a picture of a mountain on your screen. You get it from hiking up the mountain. Uh, right. You don't get it from uh, you know a Zen CD with the music the sound of waves. You get it from getting into the sea. Uh, that's right. you know satisfaction. And really, that's why we're on this earth to enjoy as real a life, as good a life as possible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Is that why we're here? <laughs> I, I reckon. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I've been wondering this whole time. Yeah. Now I know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I think so. I mean, a, uh, a good life. That's you know, we have the ability uh, to make the most of our talents. Uh, I'm looking now at at religion for a source of what's right and what's mm-hmm. wrong. But not because they have the answers, but because they've thought about it more than most. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah. What is what has that process been like for you? What kind of? Uh, it's been. I've been reluctant, uh, but I've been. Uh, do you have much of a background at all? No, I come in, from in a. I come from. A we chose like the worst place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to do <record laughs> a podcast today. Yeah. I think good. it's. Yeah. It's just the, the you know, powers that be. Yeah. Spiritual powers don't That's want it. this. Don't yeah. want this content. Yeah. Hope. I think it'll. I think it'll come out okay. But. Yeah. Um, find a quieter place to talk next time yeah my father was going to be a priest uh, but he didn't he, he did play the organ in church for, for his whole life but I'm not baptized or anything uh, okay. but the process of uh, essentially discovering uh, what the Bible what Christianity has to say about sound money about good value systems uh, I think it's fascinating and you know, the theology of money I've been reading honest money um, mm-hmm. we're studying quite a bit on on what essentially the Bible says about sound money and good living um, mm. and it's more than you think oh yeah. yeah 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 I've always been intrigued by the fact that the violent outburst of Christ was was like uh, excurging like the money changers out yeah. of the temple yeah. you know yeah. turning tables and basically making yeah. a ruckus in the entire place. I, I do think that many people do think that uh, the Christian doctrine says that money is the root of all evil, uh, but I think that's a misunderstanding. Yeah, um, the love uh, of money. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 Which then, you know, you want to kind of get into what did people mean by the love, by love back then. Like, what's the, yeah. there are multiple Greek words for... That's right. Love, yeah, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. That's a, there's a lot there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder what are, just out of curiosity for myself, what, what are some, maybe a highlight or a couple highlights of uh, experiences that you've had over the past couple of years with you? with your family whether it's been uh, well with my family I went uh, for a big hike uh, in Africa uh, climbed uh, Kilimanjaro like the, the highest mountain in Africa uh, f- down from the jungle uh, you know up to the icy uh, top uh, which was wow. a f- fabulous experience uh, with one of my sons I went to New Zealand uh, on essentially adventure therapy you know like downhill mountain biking bungee jumping rafting the lot in New Zealand which is absolutely stunning uh, off-road biking uh, around South America Colombia off-road uh, that was fabulous yeah sailing across the Caribbean it's, uh, it's, it's, it's yeah it's a good life yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so what made you interested in sailing 
just oh freedom it. no yeah. I was uh, COVID never stopped me um, basically everybody was locked down but uh, well that just meant that a lot of the hotels were on special and they would open up especially so I kept traveling throughout trying to find free places and mm -hmm. essentially supporting places that chose to be open for business if you mm -hmm. were a place and said look you know uh, we're going to welcome people it's like yeah I'll, you'll have my custom um, so I did that uh, but the airlines were just getting nastier and nastier um, so I figured I'd go for a censorship resistant uh, mode of travel and right. uh, get my captain's license to be able to uh, well sail between my home in Portugal and the Caribbean back and forth uh, maybe pick mm -hmm. up some bitcoiners along the way uh, mm -hmm. in, in the old fashioned way uh, you know without a mask with the wind in the sails and, uh, and I must say sailing is absolutely fantastic uh, but even now with COVID they still want you to do like bloody tests even if you sail between islands right. so it's not as censorship resistant as you might think right but, uh, uh, yeah. man yeah uh, have you have you thought about like private jet travel or anything like I, that I, I like used to travel by private jet in my fiat life right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah it's um, uh uh, then there was a status symbol, you know, I, I would take right. a picture, you know, in my suit, in front of the jet. Uh, uh, oh man, I mean, one time on a Friday afternoon, I'd, I was in London, I had to pick up my schools, my kids from school in Amsterdam, and I took the private jet to Amsterdam to pick up my kids from school. That was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that was life. That's but awesome. I must say that since I'm in uh, Bitcoin, I do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. But, um, well, I'll take a private jet if that's the only way I can get somewhere. Right. Uh, but I don't think I could justify spending the sats uh, for the picture. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I I definitely see that like coming up in the future as the restrictions get you know increase and, yeah. and as we're like forced into these other options, the the jets to me at, at, as for, at least for Bitcoiners, it's really going to be more of a tool. Yep of sovereignty right yep. it's a tool in the tool belt not a status symbol like yep. the whole point is to be private and yeah. <laughs> to yeah, like exactly. yeah. be you know not have to like tell three uh three companies and and three governments what yeah. exactly you're doing and where where and when you're going to be there and stuff like that and get their permission but uh I must say it's, that traveling between El Salvador cheap. and Texas and Florida, uh, it's easier again than it used to be. It is. Um, if you leave from here, I'm the only one uh, basically at, at the airport here in Texas or in Miami. If you mm -hmm. go to El Salvador, you can bypass all the queues, just go for the self-service check-in because they don't have to test or check anything. So you're one of the few people that can ah. just go through. Uh, and okay. same going back out. Uh, uh, they just say, have you done what you need to do? And you pinky swear that you have and no checks are done and you just fly in and out. Uh, so that's really? pretty good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um, man. So what do you see the... Uh, What kind of, I guess, advice do you have for plebs like me or a little, or, or other guys, you know, because a lot of us, we're kind of on this journey and yep. we're trying to stack sats. We're trying to, we kind of came into this a little later. Some people, you know, I know are just learning about this right now. And yep. so like, it's, it's very hard uh, for some people thinking of a couple people in particular that I've heard in the last couple weeks who are looking at this and thinking that they missed the boat thinking yeah. that like uh, like the opportunity I've like I've lost the opportunity yeah. the, the opportunity cost for them has been so extreme that it's very hard to like wrap their head around yeah. right yeah. like going learning about Bitcoin when it's $100 and not buying it and not utilizing this, the freedom technology that it offers and then just waiting and, and mm -hmm. seeing how things are developing um and in my opinion, you know, it's going to get worse and worse. Sure, yeah. Look, <laughs> and it's gonna at the same time, uh, we've all had that <coughs> chance. We've all had the opportunity to buy Bitcoin at $100. Uh, whether we yeah. knew about it or not, we had the chance to learn about it. We had the mm -hmm. chance to do it. Um, 
to be f I don't think it matters at what price you get into Bitcoin. The only thing that matters in Bitcoin is how long you hold on to it. Mm. Um, so, and it also doesn't matter how much Bitcoin you get. Only thing that matters is sort of what percentage of your savings, what percentage of your income you get into Bitcoin. Mm. With Bitcoin doubling, you know, roughly every year, if you put 10% of your income or 10% of your savings in, in just three or four years, that would be equal to a full year. Mm. So uh, my advice, very simple to everybody, you know, get rid of your bad habits, uh, put as much as possible into Bitcoin uh, and wait, hold on, you know, just uh, go three, four, five years as long as possible uh, and you'll be right. Uh, that's, that's the path to Bitcoin freedom, that's the path to liberation. Hmm. Yeah, I couldn't say any better myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's uh, like as a, that's really encouraging. Maybe as a final tip, um, sell your house, sell your big stuff. It's just leverage over you. Uh, hmm. Bitcoin is very liberating, uh, but it is not as long as the governments or as long as people still essentially have leverage over you. Uh, hmm. When I sold my house and really just went all in Bitcoin, uh, that's when I felt suddenly really free mm. uh, self-custodying my Bitcoin uh, not have any, having anything that people could leverage against me uh, mm. that was full freedom mm. uh, so yeah you need tools to make more Bitcoin you need you know a place to live and a you know, means of transportation mm. but basically put everything into Bitcoin keep stacking and stack it for as long as possible and set yourself a goal right? where are we at now uh, 22 uh, so yeah, uh, easily until the next halving, uh, don't think of anything apart from putting as much of your sets into Bitcoin. Drink mm. some beers less, uh, <laughs> live a little bit healthier uh, mm -hmm. and stack for years. Mm. Yeah. And in the meantime, you learn well a lot about Bitcoin, a lot about yourself. I'm absolutely sure that we don't know what the Bitcoin narrative will be just two years from now. Uh, it's like surfing a wave, it just keeps teaching us and showing us new things that we didn't know about Bitcoin, about ourselves. Uh, but if you, you know, stay humble and keep learning and don't get stuck in particular views on Bitcoin, uh, your life will improve dramatically year over year just sticking with Bitcoin. Hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I've yeah. definitely noticed that yeah. for myself in, in just the short time that I've like, yeah. been involved with this. Um, and it is... Uh, kind of harsh realizations for some people to recognize that a lot of the things that we think are assets that we think we can rely on yeah. are actually liabilities yeah, right for that's, sure yeah. I mean classic investment 101 yeah. just yeah. from the investment standpoint which is as we've kind of like gone into is beyond investment where it's like yeah. life this yeah. is you yeah. know your spiritual direction in life um, but like the yeah having a house uh, what in uh, in what ways do you see that more more as a as a liability or, or a danger um, well I had a house in Amsterdam and I thought that the government might come to me at some stage saying look we want a percentage of the value increase of your Bitcoin which is going to tax your Bitcoin Mm -hmm. uh, and if you don't want to give that, uh, well, we're going to get foreclosure on your house. Uh, right. That's a simple way. Right. Um, so it's taken me a while. I now have enough confidence that uh, El Salvador is going to be a good Bitcoin country. Um, mm -hmm. So now I am looking at diversifying out of my Bitcoin into a house again. Uh, okay. But in El Salvador, where I don't think the government will do that. Uh, and I will have a nice uh, jungle home overlooking Bitcoin beach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, there's something else that I wanted to dig into, but um, that was a. So, I guess one one of the things that I'm thinking about is uh, how, as as you look at what a lot of Bitcoiners right now are focused on, um, do you? We, we talk a lot about sifting through the noise and, and mm -hmm. finding, finding the signal. Uh, one of the potential threats that I see against Bitcoin is kind of is different narratives or different uh, interests kind of coming, into, coming into the space and dispersing our, our energy and our focus. Mm -hmm. uh, do you see like us 
Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Do you no, see, I, I, do you I see, see that point. I see like that happening. Um, uh, Bitcoin lives in an eternal September. Uh, there's always a multitude more people coming into Bitcoin than there are. Mm. Uh, and we do tend to think, look, uh, Bitcoin is libertarian, is freedom maximalist, uh, but, you know, I'm the, you know, there's, you know, maybe 100 million Bitcoiners like that. Let's say we get to a billion Bitcoiners, but most of them don't care about freedom and don't care about personal sovereignty or responsibility. What mm. will then happen? Will Bitcoin be totally corrupted? Uh, I do think that what could happen, <coughs> well, the worst that could happen is that all the Bitcoin for those people uh, will be custodied by you know, companies, governments, not held under their own control. Uh, but that doesn't diminish the opportunity for us to custody our own, own Bitcoin. Right. Um, I do think the narrative might change. I do think uh, there might even be cryptocurrencies to flip in Bitcoin, become bigger, bigger in market cap. Uh, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that the technology underlying Bitcoin t- doesn't keep it being censorship resistant, um, uh, uh, digitally scarce, right. unconfiscatable money for those of us that want that. Right. Uh, it will always right. be that tool. Uh, if a lot of people don't want to use it as such, well, their problem. Uh, it doesn't right. mean that we can't. Right. It could, of course, be... Um, well, there, there's ways that you could foresee it being corrupted, like if they had the whole ESG, like, oh, we'll only do green Bitcoin, we'll only do this, we'll do that. But mm-hmm. then still, there is the protocol as is that will let us use Bitcoin forever in the way that we want to. Mm-hmm. I think Mircea Popescu, eh, the, the guy that drowned in Costa Rica, uh, he was uh, incredibly toxic and a big asshole, even attacking the Bitcoin developers. Uh, basically proving that uh, well if you don't want to agree with other people you can be as nasty as you want and you still have full rights to all your Bitcoin and nobody can take it but Peter Rizzo did some great stuff on the user rights that Bitcoin gives you I totally believe in those user rights I will always have a given percentage of all the Bitcoin nobody can take it away from it I can always send it to whomever I want uh, and nobody's going to be able to change that like ever right right yeah Yeah, that's so powerful um Another thing that I wanted to touch on before we before we close here is you mentioned um, your family kind of getting into Bitcoin yeah. and and how your son I've talked to your son yeah. he's a whiz like yeah. so what what is that because a lot and I've heard of a lot of people trying to like wanting their wanting their family wanting their wife or kids to kind of like mm-hmm. understand Bitcoin and kind of get into. Yeah. Uh, what it means for them uh, did you how did you approach that I um, well uh, for my own kids I gave them an allowance and I fixed the allowance in two ways I gave them a fixed amount of fiat every week in sats so the amount of sats would get less as bitcoin got more valuable okay. but I also fixed a different amount in sats um, so they would get essentially more euros every week so then after a year or something they said oh can we fix the whole amount in sats so they would get a fixed amount of sats every week, uh, which tremendously increased in value. Uh, plus, we had sort of regular Bitcoin study sessions where we would, uh, well, this university in Cyprus, they had an online course, so we would have lots of friends and family Bitcoin okay. Friday afternoon studying, going through Bitcoin, okay. um, which led to, you know, my kids convincing the other kids at school, getting into trouble with the economics teacher, the economics teacher <laughs> calling me, me doing lectures at the schools and getting the whole school and the teachers and the parents and everybody into Bitcoin. No so, way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, and that was a long time ago, so they were pretty happy about that still. Yeah, especially, especially since all these kids were then uh, still way underage, but at that time there was no age limits uh, on, on, um, on Coinbase and whatnot. Uh, but then the age limits got imposed and so all these underage kids got frozen out of their wallets until no. they were 18. <laughs> so a forced huddle. Forced so that was pretty wow. nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and another way that I approached it is, um, well, being you know, a certified financial advisor and a banker a long time, the people mm-hmm. that were reluctant to get into Bitcoin, you know, I wouldn't have too many qualms about saying look just give me some money I'll hold some Bitcoin for you mm-hmm. and when you're ready I'll give it to you mm-hmm. um, so I would I'd type out a private key for them you know on an old school typewriter laminate and everything mark it in an envelope put it in a safe so many starts for this and this person for whenever they're ready mm-hmm. and then maybe half mm-hmm. a year later they say 
yeah, still have that key? And said, yeah, yeah, I can show you how it works. And, and then get them in like that. Mm -hmm. I think for many people to start with key management uh, is a bit of a challenge. Right. Um, I don't mind doing it. I'm fairly systematical. So you start with that. The value increases and you transfer the keys. And yeah, people take control and then start taking control of their own lives and, and everything else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so powerful. That's great. Um, man, I just think it's awesome that, <laughs> that you orange pilled the whole school like that. Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then another school, and yeah, it's been it's been good. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do you see yourself? So, um, there's so much as. We just attended the Bitcoin developers meeting last night here yeah. in Austin. By the way, we're here at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin. This is, a, I think, the oldest, one of the nicest hotels here in, here in Austin, uh, founded by Colin L. Driscoll himself, right? Um, but one of the things I noticed at these BitDevs meetups in, in Austin here, it's a lot of uh, entrepreneurial energy mm -hmm. kind of coming into the space, a lot of people working on different projects, a lot of mining uh, opportunities coming coming to Texas. Um, do you see yourself interested at all in like getting into the business side of Bitcoin, having like been very involved in in the business side of I, I, I did. I um, back in sixteen, I set up a Bitcoin fund, uh, essentially uh, for a startup bootcamp, you know, incubator. Uh, at the time, I was studying, doing a fintech course at MIT just for fun, mm -hmm. and uh, somebody knew, hey, he's doing some stuff with uh, with Bitcoin. Um, so the incubator asked me to uh, to come present a Bitcoin business plan because it was getting hot at the time, and they were like, mm -hmm. "Well, you know, it won't be real, but at least we'll have some Bitcoin, you know, for people to talk about." Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, I actually got uh, voted in, um, so I launched a Bitcoin fund with a, uh, and they gave me uh, some startup capital uh, with which I just bought Bitcoin and right. put it on the balance sheet. Right. Um, <laughs> you probably did better, way better than any other Well, exactly. Company, right? And then I just kept on studying and the company was doing really well. Um, yeah. So what I've been doing in the last few years, essentially I took that private because it was too difficult with bank accounts. So basically mm -hmm. went Bitcoin only. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do uh, want to end each year with more Bitcoin. Uh, mm -hmm. So I do that through the use of Bitcoin derivatives, uh, like options, uh, and Bitcoin collateralized loans. Uh, essentially, borrow money based on your Bitcoin to buy more Bitcoin in a dip, uh, mm -hmm. do these things. And mm -hmm. now that there is, uh, well, companies becoming more professional, Blockstream Finance, uh, Swan, maybe even Unchained, now that people are starting to use Bitcoin derivatives for risk management, and there is a bigger demand for high net worth individuals to or take responsibly managed Bitcoin positions, uh, yeah. then yes, I, I do think I, I am interested in, in getting back into it. And mm -hmm. I, in fact, I already do that. Right. Uh, I just do it for friends and family and relations rather than for a company. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you'd like to, anything else you'd like to share? Um, you know, you have, this is, fairly like intimate audience we're yeah. not like I, I like to keep it very personal and and everything like that but is there anything like you'd like to share your Twitter or uh, um, I, I follow stay, Twitter stay but free. I don't really say anything so uh, I, I keep up with Twitter for my news uh, mm -hmm. but I don't think well it's getting less interesting and less valuable I think mm -hmm. uh, so I think that's I gave up all my social media don't do any of that uh, but I do really like catching up with people uh, over a sunset dinner at Bitcoin Beach uh, taking the time and I do think for people to come out there and just live on the Bitcoin standard live the Bitcoin life uh, mm -hmm. for a few weeks amongst other Bitcoiners um, in in a Bitcoin village uh, that really changes your perspective and that really brings it home so if I can well, give some advice to your listeners. I'd say, come out mm -hmm. there, come out, we'll ride mountain bike or ride horses and go surfing, uh, talk mm -hmm. about Bitcoin a fair bit, and then you see how it goes from an abstract concept to, to a real life. Right, yeah. right. Well, how can people get a hold of you in order to do that? I'll, I'll, 
we'll, we can talk afterwards sure. as well and yeah. I'll yeah. plug in something yeah, in the sure. show notes I've got a, my telegram you can email share email or, or yeah, telegram yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah that'll be perfect great yeah. thanks so much for right. talking Sebastian yeah thank you John maybe we'll do it some other time in a more quiet place yeah, <laughs> yeah that might help yeah. Yeah. Um, but with that that's all I have for you guys may you live a meaningful life and enjoy your freedom as a sovereign individual <laughs>